Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Well, I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning, and I want to talk to you about a couple of things that will keep you from moving forward. And really, if I could just say it this way, I just want to talk to you about doing things God's way because I've been so irritated lately. Okay, I'll be transparent. I got on TikTok like a couple months ago for the first time. I like resisted for a while. I was like, I don't need to see people dance. Come on, whatever, in your bedroom. I feel like a weirdo watching these people I don't know do this stuff. So I didn't get on it for a long time. And then I did get on it, and then I thought it was hilarious, and I like had a great time for a few months before I deleted it. But I got so irritated by some of these like Christians on TikTok just acting like they're like they they could love God but not live his way. And that's true. You can definitely do that. But it doesn't make sense to me if you love God and he, you know he loves you, why would you think that any other way would be a better way to live than what he's presented to you? If you really believe that he loves you and you trust him, that means you're going to know, hey, God, you're good, and I know doing things your way is the best. I'm just so tired of the church or Christians or anybody else acting like we don't really have to follow all of God's instructions because, you know, he loves us, and he's so merciful, so merciful, and he is. But he's so merciful that he said, hey, I want to save you a lot of trouble. You don't even have to figure out how to live. I'm going to lay it out for you. That is God's mercy. When he says, don't do this, stay away from that, that's God's mercy and love. When he says, hey, I would rather see you do this because this is going to be the result. Your dreams are going to come true. He can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think. He tells you how to do that. And yet we're going to act like, well, you know, his mercy just covers all his grace. You know, he loves me no matter what. He totally does, but I would rather see you move beyond being just loved by God and into being used by God because those are two very different things. One is automatic, one is not. You are loved by God no matter what you do, but I want to talk to you this morning about what you do so that you can go from being just loved to being used, amen? And I'm excited to talk to you about that today. I want to bring up two things that I think are just huge hindrances to keep you from moving forward. The first is unforgiveness. God's saying something to us, right? If Pastor Alvin talked on it last night and I'm supposed to talk about it this morning, don't write it off because you already heard it last night. I know that if this is what we're supposed to be speaking on, every single one of us in this room needs it. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is unforgiveness. And I'll start in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. In the Passion Translation, it says, watch, says this, watch over each other. And make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. So he's validating God's grace. I'm so thankful for the grace and mercy of God. Don't take it as me shading that I need it every day. But there's more in addition to that. So he says, make sure nobody misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the heart of many. Poison the heart of many. I want to take a look at the the wording that's used here in this translation. It says, make sure you don't have a root of bitterness. Now, you guys have more recently been in a science class than me, okay? But I remember something, right? One thing we can note about a root is that roots are usually underground, right? We can't see them. 
they're there, but we can't see them. And we usually don't see them until maybe they're like causing problems. You know how they can break up roads and tree roots can get so big. It can do all kinds of stuff. Most of the time, though, we don't see roots. They're buried. A lot of stuff's on top of them. And I want to say to you this morning that I'm asking you to evaluate your heart because I feel like a lot of people in here, there were some of you last night that knew you had unforgiveness in your heart, and I'm grateful that you responded because we've all been there. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. But I think there are people here, when you heard that last night, you didn't think it applied to you. And it's because that unforgiveness is a root. It's underground in your life. Maybe it was something a long time ago. You've had time to pile a bunch of stuff on top of it so you don't see it anymore, but it's still there. It's a root. And that's when we need the Holy Ghost to show us, search our heart. I love how the psalmist David is always saying, search my heart, God. Look at my heart. Look and see the things that I can't see. The things that I've been blinded to because maybe that situation was painful, maybe it was damaging, maybe it was hurtful, and in that moment I just chose to bury it. It's a root and I can't see it, but it's still there and I want to show you what it's doing because the second thing roots do is they feed and cause things to grow, right? That's the purpose of a root. The root is how that plant gets its nutrients from the soil, right? So it's able to grow because it has the root. If you damage the root, it can't grow anymore. So here's what I want to say to you today. Those roots of unforgiveness you might not realize you have are feeding problems that you probably do realize you have. They're just, you don't know they're connected to that. Does that make sense? If you let that root stay in your heart, it is feeding all the wrong things in your life. So if you feel like, well, I'm depressed and I just can't seem to get rid of it. There's some kind of root down there that's feeding it. Or you're saying, ah, I just, I get so anxious. I get so angry. I just struggle with rage. My, I just get set off. I'm triggered. My temper goes up. I, I don't know. I can't fix it. I've tried and I've tried and I've prayed. Well, there's a root that's feeding it called unforgiveness. That's why we've got to deal with this and ask God to show us, hey, do I have something that I can't see that is feeding the wrong things in my heart and my mind and causing me problems? Those are the functions of a root. Roots are unseen and they feed things. And the second part of that verse says this, make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the heart of many. I thought it was interesting. Pastor Alvin used that word last night too, speaking from experience. Unforgiveness is a poison. And here's why it's a big deal to have a poisoned heart. God says this, out of your heart flow the issues of your life. What is he saying? Your life is the way it is because of what's coming out of your heart. If you have bitterness in your heart, it says it's going to poison your heart. So how can you expect anything in your life to work? If you're saying like, well, I just, I don't know, none of my relationships seem to be going well. I just don't do well in school. I have these issues I just can't seem to get over. Well, maybe your heart is poisoned by that unforgiveness because out of the heart flows every issue of your life. If you have problems in every, any area of your life, it's a total heart issue. It's a heart issue. Something on the inside of you is not right, and so there's nothing that can flow out that will help you, right? God's made it so easy. He says, hey, I'm going to tell you where all this is coming from so that you can really deal with the problem. So don't let your heart be poisoned by bitterness. If you feel like nothing is working, it's an issue with your heart because that's where your entire life is flowing from. And I want to say to you today, listen, if you struggle with forgiveness... I learned really that the struggle to forgive 
is this really a struggle to receive healing for that hurt? Right? It all starts with being hurt. And God has provided a way for us to be healed. But if we don't learn to receive that, if we don't know that's available, then you're going to struggle to forgive because you struggle to receive healing. You didn't do it. You have to receive healing, which will allow you to forgive. And I loved what Pastor Alvin was talking about last night about letting go. And sometimes people act like it's really hard to let go. And I've been there and I felt that way. So I'm not judging you today. But I had to learn this. You know, I would tell myself, it's so hard to let that go. It's so irritating, right? When you think of it, it just makes you so mad. It's so hard to let that go. But really, when I turn to God instead and say, God, I need you to heal me, I receive healing from that. When I did that, I was able to totally let it go. Super easy. Like I said, God never makes anything hard for us. It's easy, but people think it's a struggle to forgive. It's really just a struggle to receive healing. You need to focus on receiving healing, and that love of God will allow you to quickly forgive. That's the natural next step. When you're healed, when you have that relief of healing, and you that feeling of being set free, man, forgiveness is easy. It's just the next step. And sometimes people will say this, well, what they did was not right. And that's probably true in a lot of cases. What they did wasn't right. But I want to say to you that your forgiveness does not justify what they did. People get hung up on that. They say, well, I'm never going to forget that because it just wasn't right. They should not have done that. They shouldn't have done it to me. It wasn't right. That's true. But forgiving them does not mean what they did was okay. Jesus demonstrated this for us. When he spoke to the woman who was caught in adultery, he said, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. What is he saying? You're forgiven, you're clean, but what you did wasn't okay. Don't do it again, right? Jesus even demonstrated that forgiveness does not justify someone else's wrongdoing, but it allows you to be free from it. You don't have to stay in bondage because somebody did something wrong to you. You can be free. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And sometimes the church stops there. That's what I was talking about earlier. Your sins are forgiven. Good news. You can be forgiven of anything Anytime, any place. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. Are we grateful for it? Definitely. But what was his next statement? Go and sin no more. Why? Because that will hurt you. It really doesn't matter that you can be forgiven if you keep going back into the sin that's destroying your life. We'll make it to heaven, that's fine, but your life will be a hot mess and it's not going to be a good time, right? You are forgiven, but go and sin no more. So your forgiveness... Doesn't mean what that person did was okay. Doesn't justify it. Doesn't mean they're getting off easy. Listen, you reap what you sow. And I don't believe for anything bad to happen to anyone, but their decisions are going to bring things into their life, and that's not my business. That's between them and God. So your forgiveness doesn't justify that. The other thing that people say is, well, they just don't deserve it. They're not even sorry, right? They don't deserve it. Why would I forget? They never even said they're sorry. They're still a terrible person. They're doing it to other people. They don't deserve it. Well, according to Romans chapter 5, neither did we. Right? Neither do I. Pastor Alvin touched on this last night. Yes, they don't deserve it. But yes, you don't either. Right? I don't either. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still doing things that we knew were wrong and then showing up at church on Sunday like everything's fine, Jesus still would have died for that version of you. He did, 
right? He died for the version of you that makes a mistake. So they don't deserve it, but I don't either. And I want to look at Ephesians 4, verses 31, 32 in the New Living. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So he tells us to forgive, and then he tells us how to do it, what to focus on. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. It's really easy sometimes for us to understand God's forgiveness toward us, because even though we don't deserve it, we still want it, right? Everyone wants to hear, like, it's okay. No matter what you've done, it's okay. Jesus loves you, and he totally does. But he also says, hey, you've been forgiven of much, so you need to turn around and forgive other people of much. But he gives us the key, just as Christ has forgiven you. You have to realize that Jesus has made you righteous, right? He died to put you in right standing with God. That just means you can know God, you can have a personal relationship with him, and you don't have to feel guilty or scared or inadequate, none of that stuff. And I'm not trying to make you feel that way today. But when I realized that I did not deserve any forgiveness that I've ever received, I'm never going to withhold that from someone. They don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to them anyway. Really, it helps me in the end. If you have to look at it that way, my forgiveness isn't for them. It might make them feel better. I don't know. But the point really is that it sets me free. I receive freedom. I can be healed when I forgive just as Christ Jesus forgave us. And I want to show you guys really practically how I've learned to do this in my life. So last year, I spent probably six months working on forgiving someone. I'm going to show you practically how to walk this out. It started at the beginning of six months. Somebody pointed out to me like, hey, you haven't let that go. That's why you're having some of these issues. You haven't let that go. You can't move forward because you haven't let that unforgiveness go. They were correct. So I made the decision. I talked to God and I said, I am forgiving them of everything today. Today. But I told you it took me six months. Now, I did forgive them that day. But here's what happened. When I woke up the next day, those thoughts of anger came right back to me, right? You guys been there? I forgave them, but when I wake up the next day, I feel exactly the same. I still have the same bad attitude towards them, right? They still, I still get really easily angry at them, right? So instead of being, though, like, oh, I guess I didn't forgive them. I need to forgive them again. No, you have to realize when you make a good decision, the devil brings opposition to that, and he'll try and talk you out of what God said is true. And so you can say, yes, I forgave them, and God can say, okay, yes, you forgave them, but what do you do when you have those feelings the next day or the next time you see them? Or when they say something mean about you again, right? Or when they hurt you again, what do you do? This is what I did every single day for like six months when those feelings came back. I would say no. I have forgiven them. I'm not kidding. I would say this out loud in my car, sometimes multiple times a day. No, I've forgiven them. I rebuke those thoughts. I forgave them. Then I would take it a step further, and I would speak good things over them. I would say, I love them. Father, you love them. Father, I thank you for the calling on their life. Father, I thank you for strengthening them with might by your spirit and their inner man. Father, that you would give them strength today, that you would help them today. And I began to pray for them. This is how I forgave them, and today it's not an issue. It's not an issue. When those feelings try and come, I can get them to leave in an instant. 
Why? Because I took the time every day and put my foot to that and said, no, I'm not going to have that root of unforgiveness and bitterness growing in me. I know what that will bring in my life, and I'm not willing to tolerate it. I would rather go through a little bit of discomfort and self-control of having to get a hold of myself every day and, and speak these things out loud to myself and speak these things over them and be free than act like I can't do anything, right? Too many times we act like we can't do anything. You can do it. Sometimes it'll take a little bit of time. I told you it took me six months before I stopped, um, before those feelings step, stopped coming up really often. But at least once a day, I had to stop and say, no, I forgave them, and I love them, and I believe in them, and I know what God has for them. Speak good things over them. Pray for them. They need forgiveness that they don't deserve just like you do, and you need the freedom that that forgiveness will bring to you. And that's how I did it really, really practically. So to summarize that, I want to say forgiveness doesn't justify the hurt. It doesn't let them off the hook, but it does mean receiving healing and choosing to live free. And isn't that worth it? You don't want to stay stuck. There's too many people that are stuck on things that happened to them years ago. Years ago. They're bitter. They're nasty. They're hateful. They're rude. Why? Because they didn't forgive. They let that root of bitterness feed that in their lives and produce the fruit of never moving forward and staying stuck. And I don't want that life. And I don't want that for you guys. So we need to evaluate. Like I said, ask the Holy Ghost, hey, is there any root of unforgiveness in me that I'm not seeing, God? Search my heart. Show me. I don't want that in there. And it doesn't even mean that you have to say anything to the other person. There are times maybe when they need to be involved, but there are times, really, a lot of times I think when it's just you and God. If it's going to stir up strife, if it's going to be a fiasco, if they don't care to, to hear an apology from you or, or to hear, you know, forgiveness or whatever, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. You can be free just dealing with it with you and God. And it's easy. Just put your foot to it. Decide you're done. Not going to allow that in my life. And you know what? I've noticed since I did that on, on one particular situation, it's... Oh, it's so easy in every other situation, right? God's word works. His ways work. If you do it in one situation, when, you, when it comes up again, it's going to be a lot easier to do it. I don't have an issue with that hardly ever. You could say any kind of rude thing or whatever you want to me. It's going to be fine because I learned how to forgive in a situation that was really hard. So every situation that comes up after that is really easy for me. So easy. Just put your foot to it and decide you're done. The second hang-up to moving forward tonight that I want to talk about is sexual sin. Everyone's favorite topic. Actually, it's like one of my favorite topics to speak on because I think it's like so misunderstood and I'm starting to hear a lot more good things in the body of Christ about it. But back in the day, it was kind of like intense and a little confusing and it was just interesting at times. But I know people did their best. So the second thing I want to talk about is sexual sin. Are you guys ready? It's going to be good. It's going to be good for us all. But similarly to unforgiveness and like, you know, the grace of God and everything, which I love and I'm not discounting, but I think at some point the church got really soft on sexual sin just because they, you know, I don't know, they got tired of being called names, right? Like, you're so judgmental. What? Like, that's so rude. Or, or even just made fun of, like, seriously, like, that's such an old way of thinking. Like, is that even really realistic? Have you really done that? Does anybody really do that? Like, I don't know. You just seem kind of judgmental. Like, we're all human and we make mistakes. And I think the church got tired of hearing that a little bit and just kind of stopped talking about it. 
And it's interesting because it's really similar to what the serpent did to Eve in the garden. If you look at the story, he didn't come up and say, hey, I think you should go eat that fruit. I heard it's great. It's not what he said. He came up and said, what did God tell you? Is that, is that really what God said? He told you that? That's not what I heard. He, his motive was to get them to question God. Say, well, I know God, God told you to live that way, but I don't know. Nobody else is. Are you sure that's what God meant, really? He probably just told you that because, like, I don't know. He was just, you know, he just didn't want you to, like, know stuff he knows. Right? That was, that was the power of the serpent to Eve that day was to get her to question what God said. And now all of a sudden in the church, there's people acting like in 2021, we're super woke. So now we really know what God said. And we just kind of got it wrong for like 2,000 years because it was probably like a bad interpretation. And, you know, there's like a lot of scholars who have looked into it. And they really believe now, a million years later, that we got it wrong this whole time. And God actually said that it's fine. I mean, he made us, right? He made a man and woman. He knew what was going to happen. That's, it's just, that's really not what he was saying. That's the same thing the serpent said to Eve. And now the church is repeating it, saying it to Christians. Well, I don't know. It's not what God really said. I think, I think the Bible's open for interpretation, and we could really look at it this way. Seriously, I got shook on TikTok. I was angry. I thought, what are these people saying? This, What? Who's saying this? Who's believing this? This is ridiculous. This is satanic. This is from the serpent, right? I'm not trying to be dramatic about it, but it's the same thing. Trying to get you to be like, well, what did God really say? God said what he said. And he said it like 75 times. I'm going to share a couple scriptures with you, but I have like a million more I could give you. It's super, super clear. So let's not question what God said. Let's believe, like I said earlier, he loves us enough to say, hey, this is the way that you should live. And if you do, it will be a dream life. It will be everything that you want and more. I'm going to make it easy. You don't have to make mistakes. You don't have to figure out what to do. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. And I want to point this out, you know, a lot of people, we don't like to talk about sin, really, because it does make you uncomfortable. Why? Every single one of us make mistakes, and it's uncomfortable to face that. It's not really fun to have somebody point that out. I get it. I get uncomfortable, too. But we have to realize sin is such a big deal. Somebody had to die for it, right? My sin killed somebody who was innocent. And we see those things on the news, and we're like, it makes us sick. And we're like, gosh, why, why, why did that happen? That should have never happened. That was disgusting. Someone innocent died. Guess what? Someone innocent died because of you and me. It's disgusting. Sin is disgusting because it killed an innocent man. That's the power that it had. In order to dismantle that and cause you and I to live free, somebody had to die. And it was supposed to be us, right? supposed to be us, but thankfully it wasn't. But that's why I'm going to talk really strongly about this today. I'm not trying to be just intense and like, you know, scary and whatever. But sin is a big deal. It has a really hefty price tag and it does a lot of damage. And we like to say that it was love that sent Jesus to the cross and it was God so loved the world he gave his son, but he wouldn't have had to go to the cross if my sin didn't require it, right? Let's not get so caught up in like, this is a cuter Instagram quote. My, you know, my love or his love for me sent Jesus to the cross. No, my sin sent him there. 
Thank goodness he loved me or he wouldn't have gone. But my sin sent him there. Post that on social media. My sin sent Jesus to the cross. Hallelujah. Monday motivation. No, it's not a pretty statement, but it's the truth. And here's something I I hear about sin too. Well, all sins are equal, right? Sin is sin. Why do you go so hard on sex and sexual issues? Why? Sin is sin. Go hard on something else like gossip, right? Or being rude or whatever. Cheating, lying. Sin is sin. And that's true. Sin is sin. But not all sin carries the same consequences. There are sins that are more damaging, and the Bible says that. Sin is sin, and any sin will hold you back in your life. But there are sins that have heavier consequences and that do more damage. That's why I'm not just going hard on this. The Bible goes hard on this. I'm going to show you exactly what the Bible says. It's extremely clear. It's extremely clear. That's because sexual sin is in that category of things that are more dangerous and more damaging. I'll show you. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 through 20. And it's in the message. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical act. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. Hello, what's he saying? Sin is sin, but listen, this is more dangerous. Sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies, these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. That was a long passage, but I love every word that it says. What is it saying? God says sexual sins are different than other sins. That's why we're talking about it. It's different than other sins. Why? Because what did it say? It's a spiritual issue just as much as it is a physical issue. God says this is not just about your body. This isn't just affecting your body and your mind. Your spirit's involved in this. This is spiritual. That's why there are such hooks in it. That's why we see the damage so great. It's not just something involving your body. Your spirit gets involved and evil spirits get involved and the destruction is great. It's not like other sins. And God designed sex this way. Let me clarify for a moment. Sex isn't bad. I want to change the way that you think. Let's change it because nobody's saying sex is bad. God doesn't say that. He made it. Here's my point to you today. Sex is powerful. When you use it in the correct context, God says a miracle happens. It's literally miraculous in bringing two people together as one. How on else could we accomplish that? How do we do that? Right? I'm not trying to be graphic, but that's the way God designed it. Sex has the power to do something that is miraculous and can't be achieved another way to becoming one. God says that's its purpose. So it's not bad. It's powerful. But understand that in the right context, if it can do something powerfully miraculous, something that doesn't make sense to our brains, 
Imagine then on the other side, it's going to do something very powerful and destructive. You go from a powerful miracle that's part of God's design and creation to man, something that you're in way over your head because it's powerful. It's something spiritual. It's way beyond just what you decide to do one night. It is way beyond just just a mistake or just a decision or something that's not a big deal. No, it is powerful. And understand that God has designed it to be extremely powerful for your marriage. But outside of that, it's going to bring some extreme destruction into your life. So you can understand why God will be so blunt and clear. Too many times I think maybe the message in church has been just like, sex is bad. It's the worst thing you can do, right? It's the worst thing for a high schooler to do. I'm assuming none of you are married, right? (laughs) Definitely not middle schoolers, not in the state of Indiana or probably this country. I don't think it's legal anywhere, right? It's the worst thing you can do. Well, that's not true. It's probably the best thing you can do in your marriage if you want to bring God's power there. But the point then is not that it's bad, but hey, it's powerful. God gave extremely clear instructions because it's powerful, right? People who get to like send spaceships into space and like build bombs and things that I don't know how to do, they go to school for like a long time to do that, right? They have their PhDs and stuff. They're fancy people, right? That's because it's powerful, you got to know what you're doing with it or you're going to blow something up and somebody's going to get real hurt, right? That's why God has given us so many instructions. He says, hey, 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 this is awesome and super powerful, but here's the instructions. you got to do it the right way. You've got to or it's going to blow up in your face because it's powerful. That's why God is so blunt and clear on this topic. And let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.18. So you're like, okay, well, what do I do? He tells us what to do. And again, he's really blunt, really clear. Run. Run from sexual sin. Is there any part of that that's confusing to you? I can find no other way to interpret that. I don't have a PhD. Um, I, I don't know. I'm probably like average smartness, but whatever. I just don't think it's confusing. Run from sexual sin. No other sin. So again, he's saying this is like nothing else. Don't give me this sin is sin. No, this is different. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So God says, run. God doesn't say, um, set, some, set some boundaries with your significant other. Uh, it doesn't say ask your youth pastor like what the line is, what is allowed, um, you know, what do I feel comfortable with? Like, what's the stage of our relationship? You know, what can we handle without falling into sin? <laughs> no, God said run. Run. Don't ask questions. Run. Right? Run. What do people do in times of panic? Something bad's going down. They run. They're not asking questions. And frankly, if we got enough of us to take off running that way, most of you would follow even if you didn't know what was going on. Right? Run. Run away from sexual sin. You know, when we go outside, I don't know why I get so tickled at this. We're going to see some of this today. You know, when people are sitting there, and it's all fine, and then you're outside in the summer, and then all of a sudden they're just like, they do one of those. What are they doing? Running from, yeah, running from a wasp, right? Some people, 
so severely overreact, which like, not that I haven't too, but people take off running. Why? They know that thing can hurt them. They know that it's going to hurt. So they take off running, even when they look dumb, even when everyone's like, what's wrong with you? Whatever. It's just a wasp, right? No, they take off running because it hurts. You got to run. Joseph ran in the Bible. Listen, Joseph's life started out great. He was gifted at everything. He was his parents' favorite. His dad made, like, his brothers work really hard all day, but he didn't really have to. He could even interpret dreams, which is, like, kind of weird, kind of cool. You know, his life started out awesome. Then it took a real sharp turn for the worse. His brothers hated him, so they sold him as a slave, right? Well, it was bad for a while. But then he gets this good job at this, like, nobleman's house or whatever, this guy named Potiphar. So you can be successful even if you have a weird name. It's fine. So he's working for Potiphar, and, like, it's going good. Potiphar loves him. His boss loves him. I'm sure he takes great care of him. He has favor. He's probably like, thank goodness, God. (laughs) Those years of suffering were worth it. Look, you turned it around. You gave me favor. You came through for me. I'm in a great situation now, right? I'm a slave, but, like, in the best possible scenario. And then... Potiphar's wife approaches him with some really inappropriate intentions. I won't give you more details. I don't have them, but the Bible says she just, like, looked at him with longing, okay? So this happens. Awkward. It's your boss's wife. I mean, it'd be weird on any level, but that's definitely extra. And the Bible says that when she approached him, he ran. He ran, He should have known that would make her mad. Like, how embarrassing for her. (laughs) So, but he ran anyway. And he he tore away so dramatically and so quickly that his clothes ripped off and were in her hands. I'm not making this up. So he ran away naked. So embarrassing. But he ran. He ran. He made the right decision, right? So we probably would be like, gosh, you know, God honors obedience. He honors good decisions. And he does. But you know what happened next? He got sent back to jail because Potiphar's wife was angry and she lied about him. So he's back in prison. So he made the right decision and his life took a turn for the worse. How do you think he felt? Right? Bummed out, irritated, probably kind of angry. But he ran. And God saw that. God saw that he ran. God knew he made the right decision. And we know the end of the story. If you don't, you should watch Joseph, King of Dreams. I'm not going to give you the hot take that it's better than Prince of Egypt, but I don't know. Sometimes I kind of like it better. I'll just say it. Soundtrack's not as good, but gorgeous animation, really cool take. So watch the movie. But in the end, it says that Joseph, because of his God-given ability to interpret dreams, he ended up in the Pharaoh's palace, second in command. And even more than that, if we want to turn this into a story of forgiveness— When a famine came across the land and Joseph was uh, in charge of giving food to families who needed it, his brothers who sold him showed up. The people that he had every reason to hate showed up. And he still forgave them. He fed them. He forgave them. He wept. And it was all good. And God's favor prevailed in the end. But Joseph ran. If If Joseph didn't run, do you think he would have ended up where he did? In that position, second in command of the whole entire country of Egypt? He wouldn't have. He would have missed God's calling for his life because he made one bad decision, right? He didn't run, but he did. So he set a great example for us. And because of that, he was able to walk in his calling. And so that's what I want to say here for the last last few minutes. 
is to say the reason that I'm making a big deal about unforgiveness and about sexual sin is because they are a big deal. And the way that I, I see and, and then that I just can see it in people's lives, these are like foundational issues, right? If you're thinking of a foundation and what it, what it really does, a foundation supports the building. You don't build a skyscraper on like an old, crusty, cracked foundation, right? Something with a bunch of faults in it. Why? Because it wouldn't be able to support the building. It would be dangerous, right? The foundation is everything. And I want to say that these foundational problems are a big deal because the building can only be built as high as its foundation will allow. And I want to say to you today, God has great plans to build your life but he can only do it as high as your foundation will allow. If you have a faulty foundation, it's a big deal because God can't build on your life. Why? Somebody's going to get hurt. It's dangerous. It won't be successful. And in the end, we would probably blame him. Like, well, God, you told me to do this and it didn't work out. Your character didn't support it. The Bible tells us, walk worthy of your calling. It's more fun for me to preach to you guys about how you're called and how I believe in you because I do and how God has a great plan for your life because he does and how, you know, he can do so much more than you could ever dream because he can and he will. But this is really more important because your calling doesn't matter if your foundation is faulty. You're called, okay, we all are. What's the difference maker then? Those who have foundations, God, can build on. He cannot build on your life if you have a faulty foundation with sexual sin and unforgiveness breaking things up and damaging your foundation all the time. And we tend to get mad at him and even be jealous. You know, God, I, I, I just want to walk in my calling. You can't with a faulty foundation. God, I just, I just want to be used by you. You can't with a faulty foundation. Right? I just want to help others. And I love you guys. And I think you're amazing. And I think these things are really in your heart. That's why I'm, I'm bringing them up. I feel like you guys are saying this. God, I, I, just want to, I just want to help others. Right? I want to bring healing and freedom to them. But you can't do it if your foundation is faulty. And sometimes we even get over into jealousy. I, oh man, I just, I know this by the Spirit. And I love you who I'm speaking this to. Because I've struggled with jealousy before. And but I know that some people in this room are looking at others and saying like, well, why did they get promoted and not me? Well, their foundation could support it and yours can't. This hurts a little, I know it, but these honest conversations help us because it can all be changed. It's all right. Your foundation might be faulty now. We're going to turn it around this morning. It's okay. That's why we're talking about it. But other people are saying like, well, why did they, why did they ask Tegan to speak? I don't know, that's on God, but check your foundation, <laughs> right? Check your foundation. This jealousy comes out of us. Well, why did, they, why did they get to lead that? Why did they get to do that? Why did they ask them to do that? What's your foundation like? What is your foundation like? Because that's really God expressing his love for you to avoid giving you that opportunity so that you don't step out into something and then crumble and get hurt or hurt those around you because a faulty foundation is dangerous. It cannot support the plan of God. God cannot build on you if these issues are big in your life. And I'm not just talking about temptation. Listen, temptation comes to all of us and we make mistakes. But I'm talking about letting these things fester in your life. Letting unforgiveness fester. Letting sexual sin fester. I'm not going to spell it out because if you have a question, is this thing sexual sin? I'm just going to say yes. Yes, it is. Run. 
run. There's not a lot of gray area there. Run. Yes, it is. And so I want to say God loves you no matter what. And I mean that. And it's true. Doesn't matter what you did last week. Doesn't matter how you've lived for years. Doesn't matter what you did years ago. Maybe you haven't done something in a long time, but you used to struggle. That's all right. Listen, God loves you no matter what. But this morning, I want to move you forward into being able to be used by God instead of just loved by him. Instead of just loved by him. And it does take a little bit of work on our part and a little bit of maturity to say, okay, yeah, this was uncomfortable. It's because some of this is going on in my life. It's okay. Some of this has gone on in the life of every person in this room. Okay, you're not alone. This isn't about calling you out, but I'm trying to call you up. There's a better way to live. God outlined it for a reason. It's the best way to live. So he loves you, but I want to see him use you. So I'm going to pray for you in a moment. But before I do, I want you to write these two things down, okay? I'm going to pray freedom for you today. I believe a lot of you received last night. That's awesome. I think you guys are going to receive this whole entire camp every single day, every single service. But here's how you really stay free. Like I talked about with unforgiveness, you put your foot to it. And sexual sin is the same way you put your foot to it. You make a decision that never, ever again am I going to do that. Never, ever again. Can you really make that decision? Yes. Will you be tempted to do it again? Yes. But will the Holy Ghost be there to help you? The Bible says he makes a way of escape, right? We run. We got to run. But sometimes we can feel like, well, I don't know where I, I can run to. I've been trapped in this relationship so long, right? I can't, I can't get away from them. I don't know. We try and break up and like, I just, it, it doesn't work. We get back together. No, the Bible says God will make a way of escape. There is always a way out. There's a place for you to run to. So put your foot to it and decide you will not allow that in your life. You're not going to allow that in your life. After today, you don't tolerate that anymore. That thing is powerful, and you're not going to let it hurt you. So put your foot to it. And the second thing I want to say today is to get accountable to somebody. And don't tell everybody your business. I'm not saying that. I don't want you to do that. It's a bad idea. It's not their business. It's your business. But... You need somebody to keep you accountable. And I would really say, I'm not even talking about your best friend. The people in life who keep me accountable are people who are older than me and further ahead than me. Not somebody who's on my same level, although I have great friends who help me a whole lot. But if, you have, if your friends are struggling with the same thing that you are, like that's not a good accountability partner. It's not. Pick somebody that can speak into your life and that you will listen to when they say like, hey, what's up with this guy you're hanging out with? Like, what's going on? What are you guys doing? What are you guys talking about? Who is he? Where'd he come from? Right? Or when they say, hey, like, I don't know, whenever this person's name comes up, you just like, you just have a bad attitude. What's the deal? Right? Why don't you like them? Who's asking those questions in your life? You need someone to. I need someone to. We all need someone to. So after today, you make the decisions that you make. I want to encourage you. It'd be awesome if you do it while you're at camp. Find a leader. Find somebody that you trust. But if you can't, that's okay too. Um, I've called like Miss Donna, our church secretary, and asked her advice on stuff. She's the grandma age, and she's awesome, and she's way more wise than me. So maybe somebody in your church is like that, right? A mother or grandmother in the church or whoever you got to get accountable to. But go to them and say, listen. I've struggled with this and I don't want to struggle with it anymore. So I'm giving you permission 
to ask me anything, anything. It's maturity. It's not always comfortable. It can be embarrassing to do that. But do we want to grow? Do we want to move forward? Do you really want to put these issues to their death and never deal with them again? Well, that's what it takes, right? The Bible says, confess your sins one to another. He's not saying tell everyone, but he's saying get accountable. Who in your life knows these things about you? And listen, if you've never told anyone these things about you, don't be intimidated too. I want to say this with all the love in my heart. I feel like the Holy Ghost told me to say it because I don't want people to be embarrassed to come up this morning. The spiritual people in your life, they already know there's issues even if you haven't ever said anything. That's God's love for you that he reveals things to your leaders. And even if you've never told them anything, they know there's an issue in this area. So what are they going to think when you get in line today? They are probably going to have tears in their eyes saying, hey, they're getting the help they need. I knew that was an issue. I, I sensed that. I saw that. I picked that up in prayer and it's getting dealt with today. So don't let embarrassment stop you from coming up today. Don't let embarrassment stop you from being accountable. We've all messed up in these areas one way or another, every person in the room, okay? So I'm saying that to you guys with so much love today. And I'm not gonna draw this out. It's not gonna be anything crazy, but I do just wanna pray for you today. And, and more than that, I am gonna lay hands on you, but I just wanna give you an opportunity to come up here and put your foot down and just say, no more, man, I'm done. I recognize that these things are destructive. I recognize that these things are powerful. I recognize that I cannot move forward if I continue to tolerate these issues. I can't. It's not that it's going to be hard to move forward or you're going to move forward really slow. No, you're, you're not going to move forward. You won't. You can't with a faulty foundation. So I want to give you that opportunity to come up here and make that commitment to God. And I'll pray for you. And after today, it's done. Get accountable to somebody. But listen, leave that behind. Paul said, and, and Pastor Alvin reminded us, I forget the past. And I push forward toward the prize that God has for me. So as we close today, I just want to give you guys that opportunity to go ahead and come up here. The worship band can play. And uh, you all can line up today if you'd like to, to make that commitment to God. I'm not going to ask you questions and nobody's going to judge you. So if you need freedom, just come on. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media.